day. Welcome back. We are live. We are at Pappy Hoyle Campground. We are in Surgeon, South Dakota, the Full Throttle Saloon, off in the distance, as you can see. For those of you watching, and uh, we certainly appreciate it to everybody listening as well, all throughout uh, the great state of Wisconsin and well beyond the borders. It is uh, day one but uh, of our broadcast from here, but um, it is uh, day four of our on-site presence here, which has been uh, spectacular. It's been a lot of fun, and we certainly appreciate everybody taking a listen and such as well. Uh, let's do this. Uh, we want to get into uh, talking to our guy, Mike Clemens, who is uh, standing by. Michael, how you doing, pal? Good. How many bikers do they estimate came to Sturgis again this year? Uh, they say this year is about 500,000 that are on site. Oh, my site. God. 500,000. Yeah, 500,000. It's a sleepy little town of just over 7,100 people, and uh, it uh, grows to about 500,000. This is the largest amount that I've seen here in a while, i got to admit. So it's it's like the campground, they've added almost 500 campsites to it. They're all full. It's been uh, downtown's been packed. I mean, everything's packed, but 500,000 people. And in, uh, in two years, they expect close to a million people during the 85th anniversary. That seems almost bigger than what Harley Fest draws in Milwaukee, right? Yeah. I mean, that's yep. crazy. That's crazy. Yep. We had 65000 at family night. How's that? Not bad, right? Not bad at all. And uh, I've seen the comparison to what they do uh, in Chicago. That's been floating around, and everybody's been sending it to me, which uh, was like 11 people. And basically that was the grounds crew making sure the grass stayed uh, in place. So, yeah, it's it's been pretty uh, pretty comical in that area. But what did you make, what did you make of family night, Mike? Uh, that if you looked around at the fans, I saw one grandpa wearing a Farb jersey, and his three kids uh, in front of him had 9, 10, and 33 in front of him. And I I, I saw a few 12s out there, but not many. So just in mm-hmm. terms of the jersey watching was interesting, because I was looking at some of the backs of the people, you know, before they got the practice going. But... Uh, everybody was excited to come back. Uh, it was a beautiful night. Um, I even talked briefly to Goodikins in the tunnel, and he was just excited, like, man, finally we get a family night in where we didn't have to worry at all about the weather. So they had great weather that way. And there's nothing better, man, than a, especially for a team that's got so many rookies and, and, and undrafted players that are going to make this team to have that dress rehearsal. This is what it feels like now on a game night and what you got to do to get through uh, that checklist pregame, what it feels like there under the lights, what it feels like to take a Lambo leap. You know, a couple players got mm-hmm. to do that. Uh, and it puts the pressure on. And, and, and it's actually easier for us to observe. I just think that even the tape for the coaches is easier for them to evaluate under the lights like that at Lambo Field. Mike, I, uh, it's funny you mentioned the weather because I had a friend of mine who went to the, uh, to the I almost said game, to the practice, and he said it was the first time, that, because they have season tickets, he said the first time in a long time that his family didn't have to worry about wearing rain gear. And he said, do you think that's because the black cloud has lifted? And that was kind of the sentimentality. Like this, maybe the good weather's a good sign. Maybe there's kind of an omen here uh, in some positive way that, you know, hey, it started out a little rough for Jordan Love, just like it did, you know, early on for Aaron Rodgers. And then all of a sudden, Jordan Love started to look good by the end of the family night practice. And, 
you know, the weather was great and they enjoyed everything, the festivities and such afterwards. And I, I think any everybody's trying to grasp onto something positive. You know what I mean? Bill, you know how on a game day or a family night, you're in the press box and you get a chance to see some folks from the other side of the team, let's say. All right? Mm-hmm. Right. And there, there's a thing that Aaron Rodgers has said a couple of times in his interviews with, uh, eh, let's see, um, uh, Pat McAfee and some other shows where he's talking about his last couple of years in Green Bay. And he says, and then, of course, you know, then I won, you know, back-to-back COVID MVPs. And I'm like, what? So I asked somebody who was very close with him. Um, I said, why, why was he saying that? Was there some writer that sort of, you know, downplayed, you know, his back-to-back MVPs? Like, well, you know, he did it in empty stands and all that. And this person said, who's as close as anybody in the organization, no, no, he's he's still talking about, you know, in 2020 when he said that he'd been immunized and then, you know, he tested positive and he had to sit out that week and, and all the grief that he took, you know, he's he's bringing that up. He's, that, he's still, that's still a chip on his shoulders to how he was treated um, during the pandemic. And I'm, and, and I'm like, oh, okay. And then the person said, yeah, we don't miss that. I I really I first of all I oh. 100% believe that. And secondly, the attitude oh. of all the stuff that he brings on himself that he is then called out on and takes offense to when had he not done it, had he not said it, had he not acted in a particular way, none of it would have been an issue to begin with. So that that's why it's always so mind-numbing when he says something he gets called on it. You find out it's not true or you find out there's some other, you know, like the immunization thing or like when he talked about, you know, hey, I can't. Goody never reached out to me, but Goody's like, yes, I did. And he says, well, you know, you got to do FaceTime. And everybody thought that was a joke. Like, well, you can't be that big of a moron. I mean, he can't stand to be called out on some of his own crap. And, and that's what's so amazing to me. They're going to miss his arm this fall. They're going to miss his football IQ. They mm-hmm. don't miss the rest. You know, and you just walk in there and it's just, it's more functional. You know, there's a huge challenge before this team with eight or nine pretty good football players and vets that left, most of them now playing for the New York Jets. And there's a lot of fresh talent out there. And you hope that they're not going to line up and make pre-snap penalties and illegal formations and offsides and nine penalties for 100 yards by the middle of the third quarter and, you know, and Jordan Love's going to have to deal with all that and not know where the blitz is coming from. You know, it could be ugly. It could be ugly. But for right now, they don't miss the rest of that circus. Now, here's, yeah. a, here's a kid, too, that's really earning, um, you know, his respect, and that's this Luke Musgrave, the tight end that they picked high in the draft. And, you know, like second play in, family night, full, you know, scrimmage, if you will, uh, they're looking for him over the middle. Now, Love overthrew his first couple of passes, but – Musgrave, we asked him about, you know, he's getting this reputation for practically living at Lambeau Field, putting in long hours to go over the playbook, and here's what he said. Yeah, especially in OTAs, um, I just kind of stay late because I got nothing else to do and and go through uh, either what we have the next day or maybe go two days in advance. So um, I've hit this before. Um, I think as we get later and the playbook gets a little bit more thick, 
um, it might start to spin, but I'm that's why I stay late. I just try to minimize that. Obviously, there's going to be a little bit of that, um, especially at offense where, where you're kind of, whatever the defense does, it kind of might change you a little bit, or at least your technique. Um, but, but right now, it's it's been all right, um, but I'm assuming that's going to change here pretty soon. I know, Mike, uh, a lot of the young guys really doing a lot of the mental side of things to try to get on the same page with Jordan Love. But there seems to be this, uh, you know, if you want to talk about the front runner or somebody in the clubhouse already, in the clubhouse is the combination of of Jordan Love and Romeo Dobbs. Uh, Those two guys have really got some kind of a symbiotic thing going on right now, right? First play from scrimmage, Bill, Saturday night, family night, live TV statewide, 65,000 fans. And it wasn't Christian Watson. You're right. They went after Romeo Dobbs, sent him deep down the right sideline. And Jordan Love overthrew him, overthrew him. Now, Love ended up the night in a, in a two-minute period at the end of the night, made some nice key passes, hit Christian Watson for a touchdown, so they felt better how the game went on. I mean, later, LaFleur would say, you know, Jordan looked a little amped up to me at the start of the practice session. But I went to Romeo Dobbs, who is a straight shooter as, as can be, and I said, overall, how do you think Jordan Love did tonight under the lights at family night? I mean, I thought Jordan did really good throughout this entire day. I mean, he took the shots he wanted to take. Um, I thought today was a pretty good day for the offense. I know there's things to clean up on. This is a pretty good day for the O. Just here to keep stacking them, man. Do you, do you feel like you're on schedule? I mean, you're still installing a playbook, but do you feel like you guys are on schedule to be where you need to be for the opener? Uh, yes, sir, man. Um, that's a great question. Uh I mean, again, it, it all comes down to just, you know, just taking everything day by day and not just to get so caught up behind and also ahead of the game. So, Mike, uh, you know, when you talk about the quarterback and being where they're supposed to be, I thought it was interesting that after family night, Danny Etling was released, and you've got three quarterbacks. You've got a guy coming out of the USFL, Magoo, Sean Clifford, who was a draft choice, and then obviously Jordan Love, and I talked about a little bit of that going back to our first hour. But, um, you know, the, the, the interesting, to me, the interesting thing is the juggling and the what-ifs for Matt LaFleur of what if, God forbid, anything happened to Jordan Love? What if Jordan Love is not that good? What if Sean Clifford has to take reps or Magoo has to take reps? Do you adjust all of that? There's a lot of – this, to me, Mike, is the, the relationship of Goody and Matt LaFleur – and it has to be at its best, and Matt LaFleur is is no more worried about the, the the egos and such. It's just coaching. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, you know, Jordan Love has had such little experience both in preseason and in regular season games over the last three years. He hasn't taken a lot of hits. He doesn't really know what it's been like for three years to play week three, week four, week five with a sore rib, a sore ankle, or something like that. And so Brian Gutekinds was asked, yeah, you're right, he, they released Danny Yatling. It was a little bit of a surprise, but, you know, it also probably got to the point where, first of all, there's the old Packer thing. Well, we want to let him have a chance to catch on with another team. But the other thing is, you know what, uh, Magoo has you know, showed us enough, um, and, and we don't want to limit snaps to these guys. We want these guys to get more snaps in practice and, and in the preseason games. So we asked Gutekinds, you know, if you bring in a backup quarterback, does he have to resemble the Jordan Love style of play? 
Yeah, I mean, I've seen some pretty surreal things in this league since I've been there, so I don't know if that's the most, but it was definitely interesting, you know. Um, that way, there's, this is that yeah, We need two. Cut Sorry two. about that, Mike. Here, I got the right one now. No, okay. that, that's a good question, you know, because I think there's a lot of ways you can look at it. You can try to get a bunch of similar guys that can run the exact offense that Matt wants to run. You know, sometimes you'll, you, know, you might have a guy that can, is more of a runner and that can change some things up, so... Um, but I think for us, I think it's, it's just more about, you know, who can go out there within the offense and make plays and lead the team. And, um, you know, and then also I think part of that's being supportive of, you know, with Jordan and making sure that that working relationship's really good because that's more important, I think, than people think. Um, but, yeah, no, I think um, to me it's about, you know, being able to take that group of guys out there, um, lead them, make plays, score points, um, you know, make good decisions. So as Jordan takes this next big step, mm-hmm. Do you uh, think back to what did you see on that tape from 2018, 2019 from Utah State, both as a, as a player and, you know, as a mm-hmm. guy in your locker room here now three years later? Well, certainly from the tape, you could see all the physical ability, right? His ability to throw the football, uh, move around, uh, make plays. Uh, and as we got to know the person better, we just kind of felt like he was the kind of guy that could lead a football team. So, um Certainly, with the experiences being so young when he came out, we knew there was going to be a progression there. We thought we obviously thought we had the ability, some time to do that. Um, and I think he's really progressed. And he's, you know, obviously, he was a young man when he got here. He's still a very young man, but he's the maturity he's shown and grown with um, in our time um, has been impressive. This is certainly, uh, we keep talking about the surreal moment, Mike, when, you know, obviously Favre comes in early uh, 90s takes him to a Super Bowl, then another one, has a bunch of success, and then it was a little bit of a surreal moment as Rodgers took over. But we kind of knew how good Rodgers might be just because you saw so many glimpses of it. And now after the 30-plus years of Hall of Fame quarterback play, it's a little surreal again to see another quarterback run out of the tunnel to get the uh, to get the cheers and the hopes and the dreams of many Packers fans behind them. So you go back all the way from when Favre took over to go back to 2008 when you had, you know, Favre and Rodgers and all that controversy, and now to where we are today, man. It's it's you talk about a, quite a progression of history. Well, and you also wonder if because it was Mark Murphy's first year, what lessons did the franchise learn? from the Favre saga of 2008, where you've got this beloved player uh, who says, you know what, I changed my mind, I want back in, and he flies in the weekend of family night, and they say, you know, you're not going in the locker room. Go up and see Ted. You can go talk to McCarthy. He talked to McCarthy for four hours after uh, the the family night and uh, trying to get back in, and it was this awkward moment, and so Brian Gutekinds was asked, do you remember that weekend 15 years ago? Where were you? Yeah, I mean, I've seen some pretty surreal things in this league since I've been in, so I don't know if that's the most, but it was definitely interesting, you know. Um, yeah, I almost think that the training camp practices were, were more so intense than any of that, because you, you, when you're down on the field, you're somewhere protected, even though the crowd is what it is, but, you know, those fans were up close, you know, as, as guys were walking off, and, and um, the one thing I'll say with Aaron and, and, and now Jordan are going through, they were put in some situations that, were, you know, not on their fault at all, and uh, both of them handled it. Um, with a lot of class, and um, I think when your teammates see you handling these things like that, um, I, can't, I don't think they can help but but uh, you know warm up to you a little bit. And I think you know this particular one. I think yeah, I think it, you know who Jordan is as a person has been a big part of this transition. So Mike, um, when he talks about Jordan handling it, uh, how do you feel Jordan handled it? I, I think Jordan has been 
exemplary the last three years. The way he flew under the radar, uh, the few times that we, you know we did talk to him, um, learning, um, and at the same time, you know, uh, I tell you the biggest the biggest testament to what Jordan Love has done the last three years is how he was received by his teammates this spring when it was clear that Rodgers was on his way to the Jets and the the immediate support that he got. You know, and, and guys looking forward to it and saying, okay, let's turn the page. And I thought that, the, you know, this Peyton Manning visit these guys had with him coming into the camp last week, talking to Mark Murphy about some production project possible with the Packers and his Omaha Productions, they're still talking about that. Because Jordan Love was asked, what do you think is the key to being a good quarterback in the NFL? And he referred to his visit with Peyton Manning last week. I think the biggest thing is just keep going. Um... You know, never let your head down. You know, it's not going to be perfect. There's going to be losses. It's not going to be a perfect season every year. Um, and it's finding that capability to bounce back um, when not everything's perfect. I think that's the – Peyton talked about handling adversity. He said he went, uh, I don't know exactly what it was, like 3-13 and 13 his, his rookie year and talks about he, you know, had the rookie interception, um, you know, stat that he holds right now. Um, and then obviously his second year they bounced back and were like 13-3. and three. So – um, it's just find a way to bounce back and, and get over that hump. He talked about um, he had a lot of years where they had some really bad playoff losses, and the year the following year is when they went to the Super Bowl. Um, and his message to all the guys is just how do we bounce back? You know, we're right there. How do we get over that hump? Um, and I think that's always what it is, just being able to come together as a team, um, stay unified, and be able to get over those, those tough points. Let's do this. We're talking with our guy, Mike Clemens. We're going to step out, take a quick break, and come back, and we'll pick up where we left off. Mike Clemens brought to you by the Bay Motel in Green Bay. Quiet, cozy, and comfortable. The Bay Family Restaurant's attached, and uh, they have right now, they've got the Fish Fry Friday. They've got the Lake Perch, the Bluegill, the Baked Cod, the Smelt as well, and a great uh, menu, uh, breakfast menu specifically. I was looking at some of the pictures on Facebook from the Bay Motel and the Bay Family Restaurant. Great stuff. If you want uh, any information, go to baymotelgreenbay.com. That's baymotelgreenbay.com, only a mile from Lambeau Field. Or call them, 920-494-3441, 920-494-3441. That's the baymotelgreenbay.com, baymotelgreenbay.com. We got more with Mike Clemens coming up right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Competition will always be you versus you. If you stay focused and fall in love with the process, you always come out on top. Peace and love, everyone. Thank you. God bless. Those are the words of Darrell Rivas, among others, being inducted into a Football's Hall of Fame this past weekend. Welcome back to the program. We are live. If you're watching on the live stream, uh, we are in uh, Sturgis, South Dakota where uh, they've got the Full Throttle Saloon off in the distance. We are at Pappy Hoyle Campground. It is a buzz this morning, breakfast being served, and uh, a ride just took off. And you've got Harley-Davidson on site and uh, Eagle Rider on site, VFW on site, and so many different vendors and such. Uh, great time, very much a buzz and a feel out here 
But back in Wisconsin, uh, there's a lot of anticipation for the Green Bay Packers and for their upcoming game against Cincinnati. A good look at maybe Jordan Love. Mike Clemens joining us on the line. Mike, you tell me, how much does Jordan Love play in the preseason, in your opinion? I think, Bill, uh, the reason that LaFleur has scheduled these joint practices with the Bengals this week, followed by the Patriots coming here to Green Bay, is because the players who have made the team will be in the joint practices, and the players who haven't made the team yet, that's what the preseason games are for. Yeah. It's, uh, it's I, I don't want to just say it's interesting. I think uh, it's anticipation, I guess, is the best word for it, that Jordan Love gets as many reps, as many live looks as he possibly can. I, I mean, I personally think he should play a little bit more in preseason. But like you said, Matt LaFleur has always been a big believer. Even though Rodgers hated it, he's always been a big believer in these joint practices because you've got guys trying to make a team. You've got guys trying to fight for position. And you guys trying to make a name for themselves. So it's not as if uh, it's, you know, just kind of touchy-feely and a lot of, you know, big bear men dancing, so to speak. This is guys getting after it. So it becomes a, a better competition, a better practice, more intense for those guys, including Jordan Love. In the meantime, defensively speaking, uh, you know, there's a lot of anticipation for what Joe Barry's defense is going to do, how much pressure they're going to put on quarterbacks, what the secondary is going to look like, right? Oh, yeah, and I thought it was very interesting when Jair Alexander said with all the media that, uh, look, you know, Joe B can call whatever he did. Uh, we didn't execute. It's like, oh, come on, man. We know that you guys were not happy that you didn't put on Jair Alexander one-on-one with Justin Jefferson week one against the Vikings, that you guys thought it was a stupid game plan with this soft zone you were playing after just signing Rasul Douglas and Jair Alexander. And and so that, you know, there had to be a compromise between the defensive uh, coordinator, between the, you know, the star secondary players uh, Jerry Gray, the secondary coach at the time, and they had to work those things out. I got a chance to talk to Jair at his locker after family night, and I said, just one question. I said, you know, the Hall of Fame was in there today. Joe Thomas from Wisconsin, 10,000 snaps, you know, uh, consecutive snaps, incredible record at left tackle for the Browns. Zach Thomas, who when A.J. Hawk uh, was drafted out of Ohio State, I said to this kid that it was their first round draft. I said, "Who do you look up in the NFL?" I said, "Zach Thomas from from the from the Miami Dolphins. I love the way this guy carries his business and and uh, the the hyperbaric chamber he's got in his house to recuperate during the week to get the oxygen." But I said to Jair, "I said, Terrell Revis, man, you know, he, he there he was at the Hall of Fame, and I'm, I'm he knows that I'm talking about. What's it going to take for Jair to get there someday?" And I asked him. What made Darrell Rivas unique as a defensive back? Well, first of all, Darrell Rivas had an island. He had an island. I mean, that's that's really what it come down to. Nobody can complete a pass on him. It reminds me of the season I had in 2020. You know, like he had that one year, then he had it another year, came back and had it, you know, two years later. You know, but there's a consistent element that in, in which he had that island, man. Nobody couldn't complete nothing. He went up against some of the best receivers, Calvin Johnson. Uh, he went up against uh, Dez. He went up against uh, uh, Randy. You know, he went up against good receivers, man. They weren't catching it. That's why he's in the Hall of Fame. And uh, you talk about a guy like Terrell Rivas who bet on himself, Mike. He didn't mind taking a short-term contract for a lot of money. He'd do it over and over and over and over again. 
and he had the one year that he was banged up. But for the most part, that's a guy that bet on himself and won monetarily and showed that you can stay healthy and play extremely well. You you can do a lot of good things and make a lot of money, man, in the NFL. And I'm what I'm impressed with, Bill, is when you're paying a guy like John Money, Jair, that much, and you bring up well, Rondé Barber and some of these other guys, he's watched the tape. Yeah. You know? He's watched the tape of great ones from 20, 25 years ago. And, you know, there's some things about the game that haven't changed. So uh, about the defense, uh, Devontae Wyatt, um, second-year man out of Georgia, first late first-round pick, he's shown some great energy. He's shown some good push up there, and they need that if he's going to play nose tackle so they can get Kenny Clark on the outside and that Kenny doesn't have to take 65 double-team snaps over the middle in his eighth year in the NFL. I mean, that's the whole point of what's going on there. Tariq Carpenter, uh, a safety candidate, came up with a deflected pass, a pick, uh, a couple of big plays Saturday night, Friday night, he flashed. He's also been improving on special teams as well. Uh, but getting back to some of these one-on-one competitions we saw last week in practice, and it's this Josh Meyer situation at center, smart kid again out of Ohio State, who they thought was going to be the next Corey Lindsley, but, you know, you talk to LaFleur about why do you keep running Zach Tom in there? Because we know that Zach Tom has got great footwork, a little undersized, but, you know, they put – because Bakhtiari didn't play in family night, which, again, is another red flag. So it's Yash Nyman, a left tackle, and Zach Tom at right tackle. Uh, we asked LaFleur, you know, what's the deal with Josh Myers at center? First of all, whoever's at that spot has a heck of a challenge on a daily basis going against, especially like when, when Kenny's in there. I think our D-line's done a really nice job. I think TJ's upped his game, Ford's upped his game. So whoever's at that spot, it, it's been a challenge. Um, our, our defense is doing some nice things schematically that's presenting some problems for the offense. They've been tough to block up front, to be honest with you. And um, So, you know, you can't discount that. But at the same time, you know, it, it's tough to get anything going when, when you got guys running through A-gaps or whatever it may be. Um, so just more more consistent play because it's, it's obviously it's not like that all the time, but, you, you know, you can't you can't have that. You can't have people in the quarterback's face. you got to make sure we're able to reach shades and, and whatnot, whatever run scheme we're, we're deploying. Um, so I just think it's just overall more consistent play. After mini camp, you were walking by uh, defensive backs tackling donuts and saying every rep counts. We're always watching every rep counts. So actually, are there times where if you see a guy in an individual drill or the retention he's got in the classroom says, we need to look at this guy when we're playing team? First of all, it's very observant of you, Mike. So great job. Uh, yeah, I, I really believe that. You just... You have to maximize your time on the field. It's not like we're out there for three hours. We're out there for about, at, at the most, two hours. We finally have no limitations at this point in terms of, um, you know, the hour and a half, hour 45, two hours. Now I think it's two and a half hours that we can be out there um, or whatever it is. It's not like we ever go over that anyway. So, um, But I just think you have to maximize your time. You have to be intentional very deliberate, mindful about what you're doing, what you're trying to accomplish, how you're going to get that done so that 
you can take whatever you're doing in Indy and take it to team. And then hopefully that translates over to the game. So that's something that we we're constantly harping our guys about. Mike, it was interesting when you talk about the Josh Myers situation, they put Zach Tom there. That would then leave Josh Nyman to play right tackle. I know there's a concern or at least a red flag and an eyebrow that David Bakhtiari is not doing at nearly as much. And on one hand, they say they're being conservative. On the other hand, you've been around long enough to know, is he completely okay or is there something else there? They picked up James Empey from Tennessee off of their squad to play mm-hmm. center as well as a backup. So it seems to me that what was probably the most solidified unit on the team might have some question marks and some shuffling going on. Yeah, and, I, you know, we know in detail what Bakhtiari's gone through for two years with that left knee and three surgeries, four surgeries in a in a two-year period, as he, as he would put it. But the fact is Elton Jenkins is out there playing left guard just fine coming back from an ACL year two. And, and meanwhile, Bakhtiari's still got to watch it and rest it and keep an eye on the swelling and that kinds of things. And it's like LaFleur said, it's probably going to be that way all season. So... Uh, Jake Hansen has been injured. Uh, he hasn't practiced the last uh, couple of days. Uh, I haven't seen anybody else, to me, like Royce Newman or somebody else that's really jumped out in their performance yet. We'll be looking for that Friday night against the Bengals. Special teams, Anders Carlson getting the accuracy corrected because he was kicking wide right a lot of times in practice. He went seven for eight under the lights. Um, most of those holds were from Pat O'Donnell, the veteran. But, you know, from 45 yards out, from 51 yards out, the only one that he missed, it looked like to me like the snap was low. So, uh, the, you know, there's a battle going on for long snapper. But that was that had to be a sigh of relief for Gutekinds and for Lafleur to see this Carlson kick. And, by the way, when you watch him Friday night in the game, look at his his pointing after touchdown, and or especially, but his field goal kick, it's a chip shot. You know Larry Radoff, our friend who's a photographer on yeah. the sidelines? He said, yeah. watch this guy. I mean, you know, you think of Mason and, you know, that big step and swing the leg and the foot would finish waist high or higher. This guy's leg never goes more than, you know, like knee high. It's just it's a, just a little chip shot, whether it's from 33 or 51, uh, which might say something about just how much power he's got behind his kick. Mike, always great stuff. Any other uh, shot out of this before uh, I let you go? Anything else to pay attention to? No, we just uh, we're going to watch uh, practice this afternoon. I I don't think it'll be too rough, but I'm really looking forward to, you know, what the, the Bengals are going to bring these guys. Uh, I, I you know the Bengals have had some joint practices with some some fights that ought to be fun. Uh, and then between that, it's uh, a preseason game Friday night. And a lot of trips to Skyline Chili in between. So. <laughs> You're killing me, man. You're absolutely killing me. Take pictures. Do, we, do I need throw. to bring back a bucket to Wisconsin? Uh, with something to attach to my ears so I can just stick it in my face and just go from there, yes. And maybe All a right. snorkel. <laughs> All, <laughs> All right. right, buddy. Talk to you soon. There you go. That's our own Mike Clemens joining us for a couple of minutes. You are more than welcome. Mike Clemens joining us. Going to go ahead and take a quick break. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show live out here in Sturgis, South Dakota. whole bunch more coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Good to have you, and welcome back. We are live. We are in search of South Dakota in a little bit of a, an overcast day. Not a hot day by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Mid-60s to upper 60s, but that's about the extent of it uh, today. Tomorrow it's going to get a little bit better, and then it's going to go on from there throughout the rest of the week. Uh, Wednesday, uh, it's going to be Grand Bills on uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'm going to be over at the uh, the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. They're doing some stuff with uh, the Harley-Davidson group and Willie G, and uh, it's going to be uh, – we've been invited to go. So we're going to head over there, and I'm uh, looking forward to that. And uh, actually, uh, Grant, you know our guy uh, Johnny from down at WJJO? Yeah. Yes. I'm yes. going to be with him on early Wednesday morning, part of their morning show. Oh, you're getting up early, yeah. Bill. You're doing shock jock morning radio stuff. I'll have to right? listen. Yeah. Um, he, uh, we ran into him. Actually, uh, Deadwood Tobacco Company, for anybody that's been here, uh, Deadwood Tobacco Company is um, is in Deadwood, South Dakota, and they moved. They were in what was considered to be the old jail from years ago, and it was just a really cool, eclectic place. And uh, they just kind of outgrew the space, and they moved into a new building up the street a little bit, and we're sitting at the bar and having a cigar, and all of a sudden uh, his wife, Christy, who works for uh, Midwest Family Broadcasting and uh, works with the country station, uh, out there in Madison, came over and said hello, and then sure enough, there's uh, Johnny right behind her. And so we sat and had a beer with him and uh, BS'd a little bit, and he's a rider, and every year he wants to make the motorcycle ride for Fisher House, but he couldn't because of Taste of Madison, but he said, hey, we, we want to promote it. So uh, we're, I'm going to do some stuff with those guys coming up on uh, Wednesday morning and before we head off to uh, Deadwood to go to the uh, Hall of Fame induction ceremony. So we're going to do that, and then the rest of the week we're just going to kind of take it easy. But uh, on uh, Thursday... If you're coming to Sturgis, uh, you've got Count 77. Uh, they are playing the warm-up act, it will say, for Jackal. And Jackal's big performance out here at the Full Throttle Saloon and on the main stage coming up on Thursday night. And I get to head onto the stage again this year in front of, you know, 15,000, 20,000 people and promote our motorcycle ride. So Jesse's been gracious enough to do that for years now. So uh, I'm looking forward to that as well. So uh, the rest of the week's going to be exciting, and then on Friday we're going to be heading back, and uh, then we're going to pay attention to what the Packers do in Cincinnati, and then we're all going to reconvene on Monday. But uh, you'll take us the rest of the way Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. In the meantime, the, uh, the, the, the whole discussion over David Bakhtiar I, I find rather interesting because I, we knew the plan. It was very specific from Matt LaFleur coming in. Now, Bakhtiari feels great, says he's in good shape. Uh, Mike Clements is, is you know, kind of confirmed all of that. So there is not I, – I don't think there's much to fear at this point as far as his ability to be able to play. They have said from the very beginning they are going to very much uh, limit his snaps and that they are not – I mean, he doesn't need it. He, he's the he's the reigning vet on this team. He doesn't have to be out there playing. The only concern would be is if you're putting Jordan Love out there on the continuum and not having your big left tackle protect him. So that's the only issue I think that you would probably have. But beyond that, there really isn't an issue with David Bakhtiari not being on the field. It seems like people are making such an incredibly big deal out of it. Uh, but like Mike, Mike Clements said, there is a an eyebrow raise when he doesn't participate in family night. That I'll give you. Beyond that, I'm not too concerned about whether he will or will not be playing. I, I think David Bakhtiari 
uh, is going to play. You know, you've heard his interview from earlier this year when he, he called Elton Jenkins and said, hey, we are going to be the best uh, left offensive line in football and, uh, you know, get ready. Uh, I'm back. I'm ready to go. No problems this offseason. No surgeries. No inflammation. No swelling. No, nothing being drained off the knee. They haven't had to deal with that, uh, at least not to our knowledge. So I, I know there's some discussion regarding this concern for Bakhtiari, but I really believe that it is, at this point in time it's a mix and match just to see who can play where and how good they can be. And Matt LaFleur has said, if you, if you don't pay attention to it on the continuum, Mary, he, he has said they want to marry the best five. They want the best five to be out on the field at all times. So if that means that Zach Tom is going to play, play center, they're, they're going to do that. If Josh Myers loses his job, so be it. You know, if, if it's Josh Nyman at right tackle and David Bakhtiari at left tackle, if Bakhtiari needs rest, then they've got Josh Nyman. I mean, it's just I think right, what they're doing is they're tinkering a lot, but I think the only area of concern right now might be center. But I don't think left tackle is an area of concern, at least – Nothing that's been, been, that's been stated. And Bakhtiari has met with the media. I mean, they flat out asked him, are, you know, are you okay? You don't, he's, he's, he's never said, I've got an issue. He's never said off mic, I've got an issue. Um, nothing Clemens has ever told me has made us believe that David Bakhtiari has an issue, other than the fact that he just didn't participate in family night, which is a little odd because you probably want him to run out of the tunnel and get the accolades like everybody else and. They didn't do that. Other than that, I, I don't think it's a major ordeal. Uh, I know we're a little bit late. Let's do this. We'll step away. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll get into uh, – so, by the way, some other good news regarding the Green Bay Packers. Got to get into that as well, and that will be when we come back. Stay tuned. This portion of the program brought to you by our buddy Dwayne of Dwayne's Cover It All. They are in Wausau. Whether it's boat covers, travel covers, about bimini tops, upholstery, uh, awnings for your business – We'll say uh, gym equipment, office furniture, something in your home. Whatever it may be, he does it, and he's the best at it, hands down. Hands down. I've had him do numerous pieces for me. 715-870-2119. 715-870-2119. Again, 715-870-2119. Or to check out all the work that he does, go to Dwayne's. D-U-A-N-E-S, Dwayne'sCoverItAll.com. That is Dwayne's Cover It All. Com. More of the Bill Michael Show live in Sturgis, South Dakota next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Friends at Point Brewing in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Point Brewing Excellence since 1857. The lagers, awesome. Cider Boys, we brought a bunch with us. First press, having that out here by the campfire the other night. And uh, just enjoying the uh, the time here with a little bit of uh, our, our Wisconsin brewed products on site. So good stuff. And thanks to our friends at Point Brewing for being a part of the program, as always. Uh, 877-867-1670 if you want to hit us up. Go ahead and give us a shout um, because I thought I find it interesting some of the questions that are being bandied about over on the live stream. Um, look, uh, and Thomas says, I have no problem with 69, me and David Bakhtiari not practicing, but not being on family night made me wonder as well. It's not like Red China would keep a secret. I 100% agree. 100% agree. I just... 
I don't know why Family Night raises the eyebrow for not having David Bakhtiari in the field. Family Night raises the eyebrow. But other than that, um, I don't have a problem with the every other day and him practicing and then not practicing and, and such. I, I, I don't have a problem with it. But that, I have to admit, a little bit of eyebrow raiser when it comes to whether, you know, why David Bakhtiari was specifically not on the, uh, not on the field. Um, the, uh, oh, by the way, the, uh, the Stone Temple Pilots and Collective Soul is going to highlight the kickoff weekend with football returning to Lambeau Field for the regular season on Sunday, September 24th. Uh, fans can celebrate the kickoff weekend presented by SiriusXM, Ticketmaster, Polaris, and Quick Trip. And uh, they're going to have a free concert. Stone Temple Pilots and Collective Soul beginning 5 o'clock outside of Lambeau Field in the stadium's northwest side of the parking lot. Parking for the uh, concert goers is free. Uh, in the west side of Lambeau Field lots and parking uh, is first come, first serve. And a Lambeau Field atrium, including the Packers Pro Shop, Lambeau Field Stadium Tours, and the Packers Hall of Fame, all going to be open for their regular hours. But uh, they've got the uh, Packers have Stone Temple Pilots and Collective Soul coming to Lambeau Field. So there's some news for you. huh? There's some news. Uh, Packers over the weekend let go of Danny Etling, and word has it that Rashawn Gary is coming back, and which is really good news when it comes to uh, Rashawn Gary coming off of the pup list. So that's big news as well. I, that's, I got to tell you, that that's surprising. That's surprising. Jeremy Fowler saying that the Packers are activating pass rusher Rashawn Gary off the pup list today. Today, um, man, that's that's early. I, I mean, hey, I give him all the credit in the world um, that he's coming back, but that's a little surprising. It, it's it's absolutely awesome news, but the fact that he's back that quick, I thought Rashawn Gary would be back maybe mid October after that knee injury, but uh, the good news is Rashawn Gary coming back. So there you go. Big stuff. Big stuff. Uh, by the way, also, uh, we're going to have Matt LaFleur coming up here in a little bl- a little bit. Um, it, by, and also, you know, when uh, Matt LaFleur spoke today, he talked a lot about having now three young quarterbacks. Not that Danny Etling was any kind of a, a veteran in the NFL, but he'd been there, done that, and he's a little bit older, had a little bit, you know, more, more experience, so to speak, just within the organization. Uh, but, you know, Matt LaFleur, you know, why was Danny Etling, uh, you know, draw, drawing the short straw, so to speak? And they just said it came down to being the odd man out. Said uh, Etling's experience was gr- a great asset uh, in his relationship with Jordan Love. But the Packers wanted to get more reps for Sean Clifford and Alex Magoo. And so he was just basically the odd man out. Had, the bottom line is this, okay, and you can say it without saying it. Had he been... Better than the competition in so many ways, including just the the physical capability of the quarterback position, he'd be there. But he wasn't. He's not. So he's not. And and that's that's, that's the very blunt aspect of it. They want to get the younger guys who they believe have more of a ceiling, more reps, and more opportunities. That's it. Going to go ahead and take a quick break. Come back. Two hours down. Two hours. Man, a fast two hours. 
Final hour of the show, we're going to talk uh, still a lot of uh, Packers football, a lot of Brewers baseball, but we also have the guys from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The Mama Tried guys are going to be joining us from Flat Out Friday. They're going to be here as well. Stay tuned for that. A lot of me and you, you and I, coming up next to the Bill Michael Show. We'll be right back. 